Get your notes out, your pen ready. I'm going to go very, very fast today. We sent an email out over this message. I hardly ever do that. If you did not receive one from the church, please contact our office. It means we do not have your information. But I really want to encourage our body to be here today because there's just those, obviously we pray and seek God over every message that we preach here. But this one, I, I was totally going to go a different direction on this topic of this series, I Love My Church. And then Monday, I was alone with God for a while and and he just really began to speak to my heart on what I want to talk to you about today. So we're going to go in a totally different direction than I had anticipated when we started this series. But we talked to you about who we are, what we are. And then uh, Pastor Brad talked to you last week. How many of you enjoyed that message, man? Was that powerful? When? And today I want to talk to you about where. Where? And then next week we're going to do the why and in this series. But I want to talk to you today. But I want to bring in a totally different mindset and atmosphere that I had planned. Let's go to our scripture. Let me get right into it so we can hurry along. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And we've shared with you every Sunday what the scripture literally means is this, God's head, I mean, knows God's in charge of it all, but he's placed Jesus as head over his church that there's the church, Jesus' head over the church. The church is you and I, the body of Christ. And then the, what God's whole intention is this, is that the body of Christ represents the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, that the world is gonna see every characteristic about Jesus through us, that everything there is to know about Jesus, the world is gonna see through us, the body, as we provide the fullness of him who is the head of the church. That makes sense to you? And so we're talking about that church. I love my church because that's the church we want to teach, equip, and challenge every one of us to be every Sunday. Let's go to Hebrews now. And the kind of the text that I want to pull the message on where we are, where we are as a church, but I want to bring it into more of a generic uh, mindset today, all right? See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. God's going to talk to us. He's going to send people into our life. It may be a preacher. It may be a, someone that's not a preacher. How many found out in the Bible, God used some little girls, that, uh, some little slave girls, servant girls. God, You don't know who God's going to use to speak to you, but you need to have your ears open to listen to what the Spirit's having to say. Amen? Yeah. So he says, see to that that you do not refuse him who speaks to you. If they did not escape when they refused him who warmed them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? And what he's referring to there is Moses on the Mount Sinai when God gave him the law, the Ten Commandments, and he's speaking to the nation of Israel. They refused to listen. They, they wouldn't hear what he spoke on earth. So God says if they refuse to hear from earth, what are they going to do from heaven? And at that time, his voice shook the earth, talking about with Moses at Sinai, but now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth now, but I'm also going to shake the heavens. Amen. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things so that what cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. How many is glad you're part of a kingdom that cannot be moved? Come on, anybody with me? Let us be thankful 
and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. That he's saying that he shook the earth at one time when he spoke through Moses at Mount Sinai. The Bible said that the mountain shook at just the voice of the Lord. But he said they didn't listen then. He said, so now I'm going to move one more time. Once more, I'm going to move like that, God says. But this time, I'm not just going to shake the earth. I'm going to shake the heavens with it. Everything that can be shaken is about to be shaken. And I want to talk to you today about this shakening. I don't know if that's a real word, but I put it on there. I just looked it up and it said it was. So anyway, but there's a shaking or a shakening that is taking place. And I want to talk to you about that today. We just exited or came out of a series called The Cross. I've been preaching 36 years. Not, no series impacted my life personally in preparing more than that series. And, and I've preached on the cross multiple times. I've done whole studies on the life of Jesus and the cross and what all that means, but just something about the church body. And I prayed and fasted through that month of that series for this one thing to happen. I said, God, in this series on the cross, where the cross calls us, the cross, it confirms us, the cross changes us, and the cross commissions us. If you remember those four messages, I said, God, I'm asking you, to expose every unrepented sin in Transformation Church. Not expose us to reveal us to the world, not expose us to humiliate or degrade us, but reveal it, expose it to us, God, that we realize that we haven't overcome things that we thought we'd overcome. That we're not victorious over things that are still controlling our life. That, that you bring it to the surface because God loves us too much to let us go and he loves us too much to let us get by. And my prayer was, God, reveal it, expose it so that our body can be healed, that our body can truly walk in the freedom that you provided. Never did I dream how he was going to answer that prayer. I'm not praying that again for another quarter. I can tell you, amen. The, the stop, but it's good because God's healing and cleaning out his body. And it leads us into the message today that I want to talk to you about this shakening. Are you ready to go? So where are we as a society? Where are we as the body of Christ? Where are we as the church? Where are we as families or individuals? You see, I want to talk on this place of shaking. First Peter says, For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. Amen. Now, we don't even like that. Is anybody besides me? I'd just rather he left that part out. Amen. All right. But it's really a good thing. It's time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, how many's finding out there's a warfare going on in your salvation? Amen. Little house of the prairie's over. Amen. We're in warfare right now. And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? As a young preacher, I always ask, what does that, how can that be when Jesus said, if possible, even the very elect will be deceived? How, how can that even be possible? I don't ask that anymore. Amen. It's pretty obvious today. He says, and if it be hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will, and that warps some of our theology out there. Because just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're not going to get dealt some hard blows. 
There, there's some stuff that's taking place. So then those who suffer according to God's will will, will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And I want to talk to you about four areas of shaking, shakening that, that God is doing. The enemy is going to come in a counterfeit because how many knows that everything God does in the good, the enemy brings a counterfeit. And so there's, there's attacks coming from the enemy that to destroy us, and there's tests coming from God to shake us in order to develop us. And we have to identify the two and where they're coming from. So number one, the first thing to be shaken is our faith. Our faith. James says, consider it pure joy. Say pure joy. I know you're writing, but it's pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds. Anybody here had some extra activity going on in your world in the spirit realm here lately? I mean, like, bam. Like, what's going on? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Watch this. Allow that perseverance, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Allow that perseverance to finish its work. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't walk away in the midst of the shaking. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Persevere so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's a shaking in the heavens and the earth of our faith. Number one is taking place in the church in general. A shaking has come to the church. God is testing the faith of those who declare themselves as followers of Jesus. This election has proven that. And I'm not here to preach political today. What's bothered me in this election is how I've watched Christians and Christian leaders lower their values to promote and to protect a candidate when they're talking vulgar, vulgar and, and, and sexual and they're talking hatred and they're talking all of these things that go total contrary to the Word of God that we stand and believe in and call the foundation of our faith and we're out there protecting and defending people that's denouncing the very faith that you and I say we believe in on Sunday morning. I don't care about either candidate. I want to know about our faith. You don't let your faith go in order to support somebody else that's going total contrary against your faith. And God's using this election to let the church see where it stands in his faith. What do I really believe? Is my faith in, an, in, an, in a mortal man that's going to be on this earth temporary, he's going to die? Or is my faith in an immortal God who's been eternal and will be eternal forevermore? Where is my faith? Who am I trusting in? God's testing that. He's shaking that right now. Because many are paying. If so-and-so gets elected, we're doomed. Who's your God? I don't care who gets elected. My world's still all right. My, my king still lives. My faith is still in the right place. I'm not panicked. Oh, people are calling me, killing my email. Like, what are we going to do? 
I'm getting up, getting showered, getting dressed like I always have and declaring this is the day the Lord has made. I'm gonna rejoice and be glad in it. No weapon formed against me will prosper. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, he said, I know your future. I've got nothing planned for you but good and blessing. He's made a promise. I'm in a covenant with the eternal God. I'm not gonna let man pull away my faith and put me trusting them when I've already got my faith and trust in God. Don't get distracted. There's a shaking in the church, but there's a shaking in the individual. That There's a move of the Holy Spirit that's shaking our earth, shaking our lives. Many are having their personal faith shook like never before. Anybody, am I talking, preaching to the right crowd here? I mean, it's like all kind of stuff happening, situations, circumstances, doctor reports, financial crisis, one tack after another. Four ladies in this church, two of them sitting in here right now, in the last two weeks have been told by doctors that they're over 90% sure they have cancer in their body right now. That'll shake your world, my friend. That'll mess with your faith. When you've prayed, when you've lived, when you've done everything you know to do, and then all of a sudden something comes out of your control and it warps your mind and messes with your world and your faith is drastically challenged. It happened to me. Many of you know it. Uh, Tommy, I think we got a picture for our new people here. This is our son, Tommy, in a motorcycle accident several years ago. He laid like that for 24 days, completely brain dead, no life at all, 100% life supports keeping him alive. They told us we had to turn him off for two weeks, that he was 100% dead. But on that 24th day, God showed up. But our faith was so challenged, our faith. All of a sudden, we've been preaching the gospel for over 30 years, giving our life to God, and this is what we get back? I mean, that's what the enemy wants you to deal with. But he don't look like that today. He looks like this. Because God showed up. And it wasn't because I had great faith. It was I had little faith. But he didn't ask for a lot. He just said, believe in what you've got. And don't lose it. Then right after that, my brother, who was one of my, my best friends and growing up, we played ball on the same team. And and he came down with a brain disease, and, and it began to deteriorate him. And, and the day before he passed away, he didn't look like that. He looked like that. Amen. He looked like a Holocaust victim. You don't think I didn't sit by his bed or in my room or down at the beach and cry and scream and yell at God and go, I'm praying to the same God that healed my, my son. Why can't you heal my brother? Amen. You don't think my faith wasn't shook? My brother passed away, and, and then we got the journey of my grandson, little Jabin. And he was born healthy and well, and for 18 months, he was normal. But the last two years has been a different story because he's diagnosed with a terminal brain disease. And we've been living in hospitals. And now he's in this stage where he's terminal, and he's hard, hardly to breathe. And, and, and there's not a day goes by in my life right now that I don't cry over this kid and beg God, take my life if you want it. Just let him have a healthy life. I've had a good one. Uh, faith, your faith is going to be shook. And one of the ladies, a prayer warrior in our church, contacted Kathy three weeks ago and said, I just feel in the spirit that you need to get ready. You and Dan, Pastor Dan need to get ready because there's a shakening about to take place. And Kathy even contacted her and said, can you give us some details on that? Because we totally believe in her. And she said, I really only know to tell you to get ready because there's something serious coming. 
not knowing that three days later on a Sunday while I'm preaching, I get a phone call. And, and as next to losing, if it, I would believe in it, don't, losing my grandson was as bad of a message that I could get. And it shook my world, shook my faith, knocked the wind out of me spiritually and emotionally. I still got up and preached that third service only by the grace of God. And for two weeks, my wife and I prayed our guts out, cried more tears than we've ever cried. We fought the hell that we haven't fought in a long, long time. It was, man, stress like you can't believe. Our faith was totally challenged in God. But this week, we got our breakthrough. We got a mirror. Now, don't come to us asking me what was that about. If I wanted to tell you, I would have said it, all right? But I'm just here to tell you to let you know, don't think your world's the only one getting shook. Everybody's world's getting shook. And we're all in a battle, and we're all in a conflict. And we got to know that our faith is in God, and God's going to honor his word. And God's going to do what he said he will do because he's in an eternal covenant with us. But what he's trying to do, he's testing our faith. He's shaking our faith to get us to persevere through that hard time. I'll be honest, my wife said, I didn't sleep more than two hours a night for the last two weeks, three weeks. It was like, it was just so much. Because the enemy wants to come and wear you out, man. He wants to come and drive you into that ground. But I want to tell you something. Don't give up. you got to persevere because in the perseverance, he's going to mature you. He's going to develop you in all ways. He's getting us ready, folks, for something great. He's getting us ready for something great. Revival or rapture, and I'll take either one. Either one. And so let's look at this. The promise, the promise Nahum said, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. He's a stronghold in the day of your trouble. He knows those who trust in him. Don't you give up on your faith in the midst of the shakening. So psalmist said, many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them from them all. Come on, will you say hallelujah for that? Come on, you say thank you, Jesus, for that. Many are the affliction. We're not exempt. We're not exempt from affliction. Many are the affliction, but the Lord delivers us from them all. Amen. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose, let the shaking strengthen your faith. Number two is your family. Never have we seen families being shook like now. Marriages, relationships, children. There's a shakening. It's taking place in our home. Some of us, the attack of the enemy to destroy, and some of us, a shakening from heaven to develop. You got to identify which one it is and act accordingly. The Christian family, husband, wife, children, is God's ultimate example of his relationship with his church. Major issues facing our nation today, attack on traditional marriage, divorce, abortion, all are which are attempts to destroy the family unit and its witness. There's a shakening of the family today. Little House on the Prairie is over, my friend. I said the day of Little House on the Prairie, you just come home and everything's hunky-dory and the dog's licking you at the door and the kids are all doing perfect and, and there's no pornography and there's no drugs and there's no this and there's no that and the husband and wife just love each other and they're communicating all the time. That's gone. You got His wife said, will you shut up? Uh, they don't even have a dog. All right. But marriages, am I right? It's good to laugh in a message like this, by the way. So thank you for the kind of interruption there. It kind of gave us a, oh, I can relax now. That was getting serious. 
But marriages are being shook, my friend, and I don't care how long you are, who you are. Let me give you this secret, by the way. I work with hurting and broken and fallen pastors through one of our ministries, pastor to pastor. I meet with pastors every week. Sometimes an average of two to four pastors contact us from around the world every week, and we meet with them, and we bring restoration and healing. Many are in failure, moral failure. And here's what I found to be true, that Satan doesn't, he, he don't care if you're 20 and your hormones are flying out the window. He'd rather wait until you're 50 and 60, and you got 40 years of ministry behind you and legacy and people admiring you and acknowledging you and take all of you down together. And he don't mind waiting until you're married 10, 20, 30, 40 years and then show up when you're tired and fatigued and wore out and your mind's gone and everything's under attack and all the stress and the pressure. He doesn't mind waiting. He did that with David. He did that with David. He tried to kill him young and he couldn't. So he waited until 40 years after David killed Goliath. 40 years, his son Ishbibanab waited on the side for David to grow weak. And David girded himself for battle, the Bible said in Chronicles, but he was too weak to fight. And so then Ishbimanab, the son of the giant, came to kill David because he found him at a moment of weakness. But Abishai stood between David and the giant and said, he's not your problem, I'm your problem now. And God had an Abishai that killed the son of the giant. Listen to me, and everybody in this church, look at me. There's a giant in every one of our lives that you can't kill by yourself. You better hear what this pastor is saying and listen to the one that's speaking to you. The scripture said, there's a giant in every one of our lives that you can't kill by yourself. You better have an Abishai in your life. You better have somebody you can sit down and talk to and go, look, I'm tempted. I'm messing up. I'm not doing that well. I'm weak right now. I've got a giant. I've got a demon. I've got a temptation. I've got an issue that I can't win by myself. You better have somebody in your life that can stand in front of you and kill that giant that you can't kill yourself. That's worth coming to church for right there. And we've got to come and realize that there's an attack against our marriages. Number one, Satan is attacking. Temptation. Never before has the temptation been so open. It used to be private. Now they don't care if you wear a ring or not. That's like a challenge. I had a lady, she was like in her 20s while back at Office Depot. She followed me everywhere, and I'm thinking, this is not right. This is not right. And, and she kept following me around. And finally, I went out to my truck, and she followed me out to my truck. She had on a, a wedding band, too. And she propped it up on my, on my mirror. And, and she just stood at my door and literally put her hand on my mirror, and I rolled my window down, and she said, I just have this thing for men with gray hair. I said, so does my wife. Up. I mean, listen, when you're like 20 and 30 and you're chasing some old fat gray guy, you got some issues going on. You know, I don't want to be with you. But there's a temptation. Am I right? The devil's out there, man. He'll set you up. Are you hearing what your pastor's saying to you today? The enemy has a plan to take your marriage out. You got to watch that, know that. There's a shakening going on, but God's shaking our relationships too. God is allowing a shakening in our marriage as a means to let us see our strengths and our weaknesses, to let us find where we're strong and where we're not so that our relationships can get stronger and become more personal and get trust and get communication and get love and get the emotional issues back into our relationships. Listen today, life will wear your marriage out. 
just life. Forget the devil, just life today. You gotta have kids in 14 ballparks on the same day and 13 schools and five events and then you got a husband or wife at home and both of you just wondering who's washing the dishes and, and, and all of this stuff and just life will wear it out. Forget the spiritual warfare, but man, add that on top. You gotta realize there's a shakening taking place in our relationships and in our marriage and in our family. We got to grab hold of that, folks, and identify it. Our children are under attack. There's an all-out war on our children. Whoever dreamed in a nation called America that we would literally be trying to pass a law that would say we could take the life of an unborn child to the moment it's about to be delivered? Who would ever dream that we would come to that immoral state of thought and inhumane, barbaric mindset? But that's the mindset of the spirit realm of our nations. Put personalities aside. It's a spiritual attack that the enemy wants to bring. And his whole purpose is this, destroy the children, destroy the family. But Exodus 21, yeled is the Hebrew word for unborn, and the same word yeled for unborn means child, teen, and young adult. The Hebrew language left no room for that unborn child to be thought of any different than the born child and said their only difference between the unborn and the born is they're younger. And we as America have to realize this attack is spiritual. Don't make that a political statement. It's spiritual. We've got to see the battle and know the enemy and know the plan of the enemy. It's to destroy our children. My wife just started working in the public schools as a teacher's aide. She's come home every day telling me stories of these elementary kids that have all of these emotional issues and anger that's out of control and, and all of these spiritual things that they're dealing with that's been released upon our children today. And we want to know why our society's in the shape of sin. There's a shakening going on in our families. There's a shakening going on in our household and our children. And we've got to realize that that shake that's coming from God is not to destroy our family. It's to highlight some areas that we need to get our hands on and get repaired and restructured and fixed spiritually and physically and emotionally and get our marriage back together and know that the days are upon us that if you aren't focusing on your marriage, your marriage will go down the tube. You've got to come today and realize that there's a shakening going on and it's not to destroy your marriage. It's to get you closer and stronger than you've ever been before. There's a promise. I've got to hurry. Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Hey, if your spouse is sitting next to you, why don't you just reach over and give them a kiss on the cheek and tell them you love them today. And if they're not here, just tell them in the spirit, all right? Come on, you can do it at church. It's all right. That's all, though. That's all. That's all. All the single folks said, thank you, Pastor. Thank you. <clears throat> Number three is friends. Friends. There's a shakening in your friendships. Anybody found that out? Have you ever seen a day where it's so hard to just be a friend or to have one? There's a shakening taking place in friendships. I'm going to cover this one real quick to get to the last point. Because you see, God's not trying to hurt you. God is allowing a shakening to take place in your relationships to get the wrong people out and the right people in. Oh, I needed more amens than that one. God's allowing your relationships to be shaken 
to get the wrong people out of your circle, out of your ear, out of your heart, and get the right people in that are speaking the right things you need to hear. You've got to understand that today. You see, God's not wanting to hurt you. He wants to save you. Here, here's what I'm talking about. When you don't pray all week, you don't spend one day a week praying and talking to God, but you can't go one day a week without talking to a specific individual. Your dependency is in the wrong place. When you can go all day and not spend five minutes in prayer to God, the one your faith is in, but you can't go a day without talking to so-and-so, or you're in withdrawals, you're codependent on somebody and your dependency is in the wrong place. And God's shaking your world and you're like, wow, all of a sudden did they leave me? Why all of a sudden are they not giving me the time they use? Why do they not answer my phone now? God's shaking your world to get the people you're depending on out so you can put your dependence back on him. That's good preaching too, though. The amens are really getting slow right now. Really, really getting slow. But here's what he said in Proverbs, the book of wisdom a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Isn't this election like crazy, man? I mean, people are breaking up friendships over late. You voting for them, you can't be my friend. Goodbye. Because we weren't friends to start with if that's all it took. I mean, there's people today can't be friends if they don't go to the same church. I'm like, really, is your, is your life that shallow? And, and we've got to come and realize today that a friend loves at all times. And those that don't, you need to let this shake and get them out of your circle. Amen. Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Listen to me today. Anybody besides me have some folks in your life that you wouldn't care if they just moved away? <laughs> like another state would be good for you. Come on, the rest of you are lying. You're just lying. <clears throat> But, you know, like, it's just always negative, always wearing you out, always taking, never giving. I mean, anybody got folks like that? They just wear you out, man. Like, you can move if you want to, you know what I mean? But listen, God has intentionally put some people in your relationship that rubs you the wrong way. Now, there's some need to go. But there's some he put in our life to rub because he said iron sharpens iron. And see, we want people that agree with us all the time. But if you only surround yourself with people agreeing with you all the time, then you're going with the grain, which means you're never being sharpened. You're being dulled. But you need some people in your world that's going to tell you what you don't want to hear. It's going to go against your philosophies and ideologies and, and even your religion sometime to test you to let you know what you really believe and stand for. And God's shaking our world, and he's doing it to get the wrong people out and get the right people in. Identify the people in your life who engage you, encourage you, and motivate you to go forward in reaching your dreams and purpose in life and embrace them. Identify those who always bring you down, tempt you to fail, cause dark cloud of negativity to come over you, and get them out of your ear, out of your heart, and out of your life. Pray for them, but do it long distance. Don't give them your ear. You hear me today. And there's a shaking going on. I'm hearing this for so many people like, what's going on with relationships in my life? God's getting the wrong people out and getting the right people in. Amen. Number four, and I close with this one, is our future. Our future. There's a shakening. People are worried. 
People are scared. I'm, I'm getting burned up again with these emails. What's going on, Pastor? What, what's going to happen? I'm, you know, what's going on? And, and there's a nervousness that's taking place about our future. But 2 Corinthians says, Paul says, for we are hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but you can't destroy us. That, that we understand that our faith is in an immortal God who's been here from the beginning of time, and he hasn't lost a battle yet, and he's not going to lose this one. Amen. God's got this, folks. I said, God's got this. It's not time to find a foxhole and go, oh, my God, we're doomed, we're doomed. No, they've said that about the church forever. Amen. We're still here. Amen. We're not doomed. But watch the debates. Listen to our media even listen to many church and pastors and you'll feel discouraged, despair, defeated, hopeless. I mean, it's taken away all of our hope and our future. But there's something far greater going on than this election that really should have the church's attention right now even more than the election. And that's Israel and Russia. We're over here going, is it Donald or Hillary? And if that one or that one gets in, we're doomed. And that's the whole voice of America. 78% of Americans say they're not voting for anybody. They're voting against somebody. Well, that's not a lot of hope. And we're over here in this debate when the real issue that we should be looking at as Christians is what's taking place right now with Russia and Putin and Israel and Netanyahu. That's where we as Christians should have our focus right now because Israel is the time clock of God's calendar in the Bible. And there's a lot going on over there. Listen, when Iran and Iraq and Syria and all these little guys talk about, we're going to blow you up, we're going to kill you, we're going to war, you can go to sleep, man. They ain't doing nothing. They're all talk. But when Russia talks, you better listen because they mean it when they speak. And Russia is literally right now prepping up for a war. And they're going to war because the Bible tells us they are. And we got to look in Ezekiel 38 and 39. God tells us what's about to happen. He warns that Iran, Persia, and Russia, Magog, along with Turkey, Libya, and Sudan, are going to war with Israel. They're going to invade Israel. But he's not caught off guard by it. The Bible informs us that for the first time in history, Israel's going to call out to the West. She's going to call out to America for help. And for the first time, America is going to say, no, we are no longer your ally. And that's a bad day for America, too. Because the first time the America, U.S., ever announced publicly to the world that we would not stand automatically with Israel as an ally at the U.N. was the day before the, the deep horizon blew up in the Gulf and we had the worst disaster in the history of our nation. The very next day after we announced to the world we're no longer standing automatically as an ally with Israel, we had the worst disaster hit our land. But that day is going to happen where Israel is going to come under attack. These five, these five countries are coming under and attacking Israel. And Israel is going to call out to America. And we're going to go, we're not standing with you this time. And Israel is going to look doomed. Israel is going to look destroyed. But the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is going to show up one more time. 
And the Bible said that the Antichrist is going to stand on the top of Mount of Olives and he's going to point his finger up into the heavens and announce to the angels that if they had followed him, that he would rule and reign the earth and that they would be reigning the earth with him. And God's going to get ticked and say, I've heard enough. And he's going to look over at his son and say, mount up, son, get ready. We're going to shut his mouth once and for all. I'm talking about our future here. I'm talking about my future. And the Bible says that that Jesus Christ is going to mount up on a white stallion. He's going to come down from the heaven. On his thighs is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to open his mouth. And when he opens his mouth, he's going to devour the armies that have come to destroy Israel. He's going to step on the top of Mount of Olives where I have stood. The Bible said that Mount of Olives is going to split in half. He's then going to walk down through the Kidron Valley. He's then going to go to the eastern gate of the walls of Jerusalem. He's going to walk through that eastern gate. He's going to enter into the temple. And there he's going to reestablish his kingdom upon this earth. And you and I are going to rule and reign with him forever and ever and ever. Our future is good. Our future is bright. Our future is hopeful. Our future is awesome. We're the church of the living God who's alive. He's well. He's on the throne. Nothing's caught him off guard. He's got everybody like puppets on a string, moving them into position on the chessboard and getting ready for checkmate because God's about to be declared as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, none of that was in the notes, but it was fun preaching. Amen. Don't worry about your future. Worry about what you're doing today. Because the future's already been taken care of. Listen to me, church. Don't let, you need to turn CNN and Fox and MSNBC. You need to turn that stuff off, man. I'm telling you, I, we don't even listen to it at my house. I, I didn't even watch one of the debates. I don't like liars in my living room. Don't. Smith Wigglesworth was that way. He, he, you never caught him without a New Testament on him. He had a $500 reward. Anybody could ever catch him without his Bible on him. And one day a news reporter came to his house, knocked on the door. Wigglesworth opened the door. Wigglesworth, one of the greatest preachers ever lived for our new folks. He opened the door and the reporter was standing there with a newspaper under his arm. He said, you can come in, but you got to leave that on the porch. I don't allow no lives in my house. God, bring us to that place again, man, to where I, I don't even want to listen to that. I don't even want to hear your lies. I don't want to hear your nonsense. I want to hear your debate. I want to hear your argument. I don't want to hear your stuff. My faith is in him. My trust is in him. My world's not shaking right now. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm concerned. I'm not worried. Because God's got this. And God just happened to choose you and I for such a time as this. For such a time as this. And I close with this. John the Revelator put it like this. He said, I saw him on his throne and I looked and I saw a lamb, a little lamb. It's the lamb. And he has all the signs of suffering. He has all the signs of affliction, but he's not dead. He's alive. He has all the signs of the cross. He's got all the signs of the beating. He's got all the signs of the scourging. He's got all the signs of the piercing, but he's not dead. He's alive. Jesus said, I'm not dead. I'm alive, but I'm alive forevermore. 
And can I tell you, you can look at his church and his church has the signs of suffering. His church has the signs of weariness at times. His church has the signs of battlefield. His church has the signs of warfare. But we're not dead. We're not dead because he lives. I get to live also. And greater is he that's within me than he that's in that world. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And today I want to challenge you. There's a shakening going on. Don't ignore the shakening. Let it do what God wants to do in your life. But get ready for the greatest season of life and ministry that you've ever dreamed of in your life because God's about to take us through it in Jesus' name. Come on, you receive God's word today? You receive it? Thank you, Father. I know I've gone over and I want to pray with you. So, Father, I pray for this body right now, God. I pray, Lord, for every individual here. I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're stirring us as a church. You're stirring us as a people. You're challenging us to get ready. God, not only are we going to a new location, but God, you've already spoke to the hearts of the leadership of this church. You're about to open up a brand new season of ministry for us. That God, we don't even understand it yet. But that God, you're about to move us into a new season, God, of miracles, of ministry, of deliverance, of freedom. Life's changed, God. You're, you're doing that, Lord. But first, you're wanting to equip us and mature us and get us ready as a body. And I pray right now over every person in this building right now. And I, with your heads bowed, I'm going to talk to Christians real quick for a minute. You're a Christian. But right now, you say, Pastor, I got the word today. But, man, my world's been shook. My faith, my family, relationships, fear of the future. But there's just been a shaking going on in my life. But I hear this word. If that's you, raise your hand right now. You, you know what it's about. Father, I pray right now over these, Lord. I pray for healing miracles. I pray against every cancer cell that's been spoken over these ladies, Father. Come on, will you join me, church? Father, we declare healing in Jesus' name. We declare life in Jesus' name, Father. We declare wholeness. God, we declare that you dry up every cancer cell. If there's one in that body, God, dry it up in Jesus' name, Father. And we declare life. We declare long years, Father. We declare health in Jesus' name. Father, I speak against every attack the enemy has brought against a family or a life in this building today. God, I pray a release of hope. I pray a release of faith that, God, our trust is in you today. And we honor you in Jesus' name. If you're here right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm not a Christian right now. I don't know Jesus as my Lord. I know I need to get right with him. I know I need to give my life to him. And today, I don't want to have to worry. I'm worried right now about the future because I know I'm not where I need to be with God. But I don't want to have to worry about that. I, I want to have peace with him today. I just want to give my life completely to him. If that's you, would you just slip a hand up right where you sit? God bless you. Hands going up all over the building. You can put it right back down. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. You just say, I need to get right with Jesus today. I know I need to make a decision. Anyone else? We had five in the 8 o'clock service. Several more have just raised their hand now at 10 o'clock. Anybody else You say, I need to get right with Jesus today. I want to know him. Would you pray this prayer with me? And we're going to join you. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come, I confess, I believe, and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a brand new person. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you join me and let's congratulate these.